Welcome to Fintech Insider. It's the Hargreaves Lansdowne Takeover. I'm Phil from Hargreaves Lansdowne and we are coming to you live from HL's brand new tech offices in Warsaw, Poland. Thank you. Welcome to Fintech Insider, the Hargreaves Lansdowne Takeover. We are coming to you live from HL's brand new tech offices in Warsaw, Poland. I'm Ross Gallagher, and today I'm joined by my colleague, Pete Tanzen. Say hey, Pete. Hey, Ross. How's it going? Awesome. And I'm also joined by the fantastic Eleven Media team who've traveled all the way to Poland to produce the show for us. Say hey, guys. Hey. <laughs> Exciting. <laughs> uh, so we are in the brand new HL offices in Warsaw, which comprise a very nice building from the outside. We just love it. Um, not only that, but we are joined by four members of the Hargroves Lansdowne team and a prestigious lot they are too. We are joined by Chris Hill, CEO, David Davies, CIO, Chris Whirl, Director of Digital Marketing, and Michał Glavinsky, uh, HL Tech General Manager. Thanks for having us here today. So let's start the show. Okay, before we take a deep dive, for all our listeners who may be less familiar, Chris, would you mind kicking us off with just a, a quick summary of, of, I guess, who HL is and what you guys do? Yeah, sure. Um, so Hargreaves Lansdowne is a retail savings and investment business. And uh, we're only UK-based, uh, but we're big. We've got a million clients in the UK. Uh, and what we are focused on doing is helping our clients to save and invest and give them confidence in doing that. So we're helping clients to save pensions, individual savings accounts, investing in shares. And then just after Christmas, we've launched a, uh, a cash service too. That's what we're about, helping people to save and invest with confidence. Nice. It's a, it's a noble ambition, a lofty ambition and a good one. Well, we've been around for 35 years. Uh, we are ranked about 52 in the FTSE 100. So we're a substantial business. We've got about 86 billion of assets um, under administration on the platform. So um, we are truly a well-established player. However, um, I think we're trying to do things differently. Yeah. And what we're trying to do is to use technology to really make it better, really make it easier for clients. We're certainly the most client-focused business that I've ever, I've ever worked for. And, you know, all of those bits are really the values at the heart of the business. So customer first, technology-led? I guess that's, that's what we're, we're sort well, of driving I think, on. I think I, when I talk about the strategy, I, I was talking about people marketing technology and the people bit deliberately first. Um, we've got a great team in Bristol. I think we've got some of the best people in the industry at the skills that they're doing. We're now um, supplanting it today with the skills that we've got, this great team of 50 people that we've got out here. And it's really our skills, expertise and knowledge that we bring together with smart uses of technology that really makes the difference for the clients. Awesome. So I guess, you know, it's, it's, it seems a natural point to um, discuss why we're here. I mean, we're here in Warsaw. Um, you guys have opened your new technology center. I guess here I'll throw probably over to David. Do you want to tell us a little bit about, you know, what, what that entails? Tell us a little bit about HL Tech and, and, and the background there. Yeah, sure. So, look, as Chris said, technology is uh, hugely important uh, to us. Um, but not only the technology itself, but how we use it. 
as market leaders, uh, we, we have a, a good market share um, with uh, intention to you know, continue to grow that market share. And with people and technology uh, at the heart of it, that link is no more so valid because we we own the technology. So the majority of the the tech and the the software and the platform that we have is it's it's bespoke to, to Hargreaves Anstead. So that puts us in uh, pretty much uh, first place when it comes to actually not only um, bringing the uh, the new services like savings that Chris was just talking about with new innovations to to our clients, but we can do that in a way that I feel is unsurpassed. Um, because we can make the decisions that are most important either to our strategy or more importantly, the strategy to uh, offer clients uh, a breadth and a, you know, a, a wide range of services and keep on pushing that forward. Because look, in technology, it's really common for organizations, any organization in, in a lot of industries um, to be tied into a software vendor's roadmap, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And for that roadmap almost to be dictated not only to you as an organization, um, but to the organizations that you might be in competition with. Yeah. So um, going back uh, maybe two years ago now, we really made, uh, I think, a, a landmark decision to really look outside of Bristol, outside of the UK, uh, pretty much globally with regards to if we're going to continue to expand our technology offering, uh, continue to expand the market that we have in the UK, then we need to think wider. So that's why we're here today. Uh, we've spent uh, a lot of time, uh, a lot of effort, blood, sweat and tears, you might say, for a lot of the team. Um, really trawling uh, a lot of MI, uh, a lot of management information um, and almost spending a lot of time also in Poland. And we've come to Warsaw and... You know, you talk about the fit out being, you know, an exciting fit out. I totally yeah. agree. So this is what we said. And, you know, it's, it's not what you expect, I guess, when you come to what is, you know, a FTSE 100 company and um, it's an open space, it's a creative space and it's super collaborative. Mm. And, you know, what we said, I mean, um, for our listeners, with sort of really nice, I guess, touches that throw back to the UK with the sort of uh, the UK telephone boxes for the, the call boost and that sort of stuff, a really nice space. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, the, the joining back to the UK doesn't stop there. So all of the, uh, the employees, so, you know, we've got 50 people, over 50 people now in the office in, in Warsaw. Um, the team have managed to uh, get high quality uh, guys to, to join the team in less than six months, which I think is, is phenomenal. And, you know, when we have uh, new people joining the team, they join us in Bristol for an, for an induction. They start to understand uh, what the company's all about and actually start to uh, live and breathe that culture from day one. And I think that's really important. So it was hugely uh, valuable for us to bring that over to, to Warsaw and, uh, and vice versa. So when you have a look at some of the meeting rooms, you know, there's some real synergies yeah. there. So some of the pictures that we have, you know, we've got uh, an apple orchard reflecting the, um, the, the West Country uh, sort of cider piece. Yeah. But then we've got- It's all these subtle homages right back to yeah. Bristol and the West Country. Yeah. And I guess you guys' roots, right? Like, but, you know, you want it you want to grow out you want to expand out but you firmly rooted in you know where you guys come from and actually i suppose that's quite representative of you know we talked about how you guys have managed to sort of recruit such an awesome team in such a short space of time but it makes sense right because um it's a globally recognized brand but you guys are actually doing something new exciting and different that's right yeah and because you know look we when i have a look at the the companies who are doing what we're doing yeah there's some 
you know, phenomenally, um, you know, exciting brands who are doing what we're doing and doing what we're doing in Warsaw. And I feel, you know, in some respects, you know, we're ahead of some of those companies, which I think is hugely exciting, both for, for us, uh, both as, as colleagues in the firm, but also our clients. With regards to really pushing forward, uh, and as Chris started off with, the investment in, uh, in technology is really, I think, really pushing us forward. Yeah. Uh, and really showing that with the with evolving our technology, it will really sort of continue to uh, embed our position as the number one in the market. Yeah, and, and and that data is key, right? And you know, the tech is about how you use that data. And we talked about being customer first, customer centric, and sort of, I guess, you know, what we're driving at is sort of becoming truly bespoke, right? And delivering things to customers that are ent- entirely aligned to their needs, and that's where you get true differentiation, right? Yeah, yeah, and it, it, what, what's interesting is that. So you said the business has been here for 35, 37 years, right? Well, in Hargreaves Lansdowne in existence and having your own tech platform is unique. It's a differentiator. Um, where things have gone in the last 10 to 15 years, the overlay of digital on top of all that, though, starts to bring it in a different direction, right? And where you can get even closer to that customer in such a way that you don't need to be shaking their hand every day, right? If the, the business ever did. So how has that evolved over time in terms of, you know, even just in the last few years where digital has become much more important part of the business um, in how you interact with customers? Well, I think it's, I think it's, I can, I can tell Chris to my left was, was warming up. So I might let me have a go in a minute, but I'm going to go first. But, um, it's because it's because technology is it's the smart use of technology that's enabled us to get a leap over the competition. There are the things that we do using our knowledge, but smart use of technology that means clients can do it better and they can do it simpler with us. And you know, some sort of a measure of that. So it was a year ago that we took down the number one, the market leading app, and we replaced it with our app yeah. that we thought was better, better than that. And it, and you, you, we then look at the, the, the login profile, which has gone through the roof now that it's biometric and you just yeah. plug it in. So clients are interacting with us more and more because the nature in terms of how people are thinking about managing their savings and, and investments now. I mean, mobile is Eclipse, what we're getting through, through desktop. People have less time in their day and they're starting to do it on the move and on the run a lot, lot more. But, Technology is moving at a pace now at the same rate of, of pace that consumers' um, uh, requirements and enthusiasm for their want. That's why it's a really exciting time to be in business right now. Yeah. And that's really where the, the future is. Because when I think about it from a competitive point of view, I'm not so much thinking about the other platforms. I'm thinking about the fact that clients are coming to us and they've just been on Netflix. They've just done something on Amazon. They've just done using That's the digital experience that they've been looking for. And that's the experience that we we want to be able to provide provide them with and as much as we are recognized for the you know the, the fantastic level the great levels of, of client service that we have got if you want to continue to develop and enhance that it's with technology that we're going to be able to to do that and, and it, you know being able to do that in such a way that you still stay close to people is a pretty cool thing yeah. Yeah. we had Matt Benetti uh, your head of development on in London a couple of weeks ago yeah. and one of the sound bites from the things that he had to say was referring to this analog safety net of being able to within a few seconds have someone from HL on the phone for you yeah. just by the touch of a button in the digital age that tends to be forgotten from time to time yeah. but 
people still want to talk to people, right? Yeah. That needs to be part of your strategy. I think it's also important as well is that where technology shouldn't be used also yeah. because technology is a barrier of entry for those clients who want to call us. Because look, if you want to actually do want to speak to, speak to somebody over the phone, um, because look, sometimes you need to, right? Yeah. Um, how annoying is it when within the first thing you get greeted with is a press one for this, press two for this? and then it's, it's so annoying. Right? I think we can all agree. It's incredibly yes. annoying. So, so the, 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 sometimes the technology Technology is not smart, as Chris says. It's yeah. actually the opposite of smart. And that's one of the things at HR that we've really always put the client first. And when you call, the, the, Matt is exactly right. You know, when you call Hargreaves Lansdowne, a strange thing happens. Someone answers the phone really quickly and is able to deal with your query. And then they can use the technology that we're actually developing if they do want to talk to us. So, but it's, I think it's about choice. So given the consumers the choice of whether to use uh, digital or to, or to want to call if they do want to call. Yeah. yeah and that, that, that multi-channel mix is incredibly important. And, and we see that even, even amongst the most digital of our clients. Um, you've got to remember the service and what we're doing for our clients, which is looking after their life savings. Yeah. So we, do still quite often find that actually before people commit to us, they will still put in a call to us at some point just to just to check that there's actually a, a, a human at the end of the line and ju- just to just to sort of that safety net, I think, is, is incredibly important. Trust is incredibly important. Which, you know, again, you guys are quite uniquely placed with mm-hmm. the sort of the, 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 the brand awareness mm-hmm. and, and that sort of stuff. And just picking up, I guess, on, on what we... Um, what we were kind of discussing there. So much is made, I think, about digital um, and, and the sort of benefits around financial exclusion and what it's doing there. But actually, you know, touching on um, what, what we were just discussing, I think there is something about people sometimes do just want to make a call, but then there are also people who, you know, don't really use smartphones and actually don't have access to computers. And, you know, actually, if you go digital only, you're straight away, you're excluding that segment. of Joe, I think it's a really valid point as well with regards to some analysis uh, we were looking at quite recently with um, financial services. Some people, uh, a check, a physical check is actually still important to some people. Now, let's take you back to the the point. If you're you're following a, you know, a fintech company's roadmap, it's not in anyone's roadmap, you know, for some fintech companies to develop something that they don't feel is a benefit. Most of them don't even think about um, monthly statements. Yeah. And, and that's the thing for us, being in control of our, our technology and owning the technology, if it's something that clients want, that clients need in order to manage their investments, then you know, we have that ability. So we'll retain that ability until it's a point that the, the clients don't need it. So I think that's a, you know, it's a, hugely, a hugely valid point. Yeah, but I guess, again, going back to the earlier point, there is a role for mobile in terms of actually bringing sort of long-term investments front of mind, right? Because it's it's actually sat in your pocket now. It's the kind of thing I think traditionally that people probably set up and then sort of forgot about or checked in, you know, not very frequently. But now, as, as we kind of said, you know, you can do it on the train, log in with your biometrics and have a li- little bit of a look in. Absolutely. And I think you take pensions. It wasn't that long ago where typically a pension you'd get once a year, an annual statement yeah. through the post, and, and that was it. Now you can check it anytime time of day on your mobile and and as as Chris touched on the change in patterns and usage that we see through mobile particularly with touch ID and face ID Mm -hmm. through the app are incredible but just looking at how and when people engage like the busiest times for for the mobile app are um, in the morning commute and then desktop comes in through the day and then you get the evening commute home and you can see people using the mobile app then 
and then actually through the evening you then get the rise of the iPad. Particularly during Coronation Street. Yes, yeah, exactly, the dual screeners. That's yeah. not a term I've heard before, I like that a lot, yeah, yeah, yeah. dual screeners, yeah. I like that. But um, yeah, and, and there's very different, you can see the difference in usage as well. So again, typically we find the mobile apps are used much more by the, the share dealers, share traders um, who want that live interaction iPads during the evening is much more about the funds, considered investment, researching, reading. So there's very different use cases there for, for how we develop that experience between different platforms. It's one thing we've learned over the years is it's not just, and I think that's, that's one thing a lot of companies do, it's not just lifting functionality of website and trying to squeeze it into a mobile app or an iPad app. It's, it's considering the, yeah, the use case. Yeah, understanding the sort of the, the context. Mm. So I guess where people are, and I know we, we, we hear it kind of all the time that the, the, the busiest bank branch is now like the 807 from yeah, here yeah, to there yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Um, and we've talked, I think, quite a bit about, um, I guess, the sort of the, the behavioral factors that sort of underpin how people interact. Yeah. Yeah. Why do they choose to go on to the iPad when they're watching Coronation Street? Mm. Well, they can only watch shows where they can do two things at once, right? Mm. Um, what is it that leads them to actually download an app? Right. They see an ad on, t- on TV. They say, see an ad on the tube. They get an email. They hear about a friend, something that where they then go download an app. And then you've got to make it as easy as possible for them to get an account going and so on and so forth. Or you're going to miss it. Yeah. Right. Um, how do you guys kind of walk through that journey of bringing on board new customers and getting them into the flow of things with, um, with your apps? Yeah. It's, it's, it's challenged like back when we, when we first developed first suite of apps back in 2010 and it's it's easy to forget what it was like back then but you could you could see you could see the discussion going on in businesses and boardrooms of kind of someone in the boardroom going i want an app i don't care what it does but we have to have an app and sort of kind of call them vanity apps where there, there was no consideration for what it did or the users or anything it was just that they needed an app in the app store um, and, and we took, again, I think just through that client approach, took a different angle where, okay, it'll take us a little bit longer to get to market, but we really want to understand what people want to use it for and ensure that we actually build an app that delivers the functionality that people want so they can log into their accounts, they can do deals through, through their app because that's what people wanted. But when it came through to delivering the, the sort of rebuilding the app back sort of a year or two ago through, through that project, we actually took the decision to strip some of the functionality out and some of the content out where, again, to really focus that experience on what people wanted to do, what people needed to do, and spent an awful lot of time on the what we refer to red routes, those key processes through the app that we know would be really, really critical to that experience. And and engagement. I think it's about, particularly when probably to your question more with, with new clients, new engagement, it is making it simple, simple and, yeah. and easy and accessible because with apps in particular, you, you do only really get one shot because I can't remember the stats off the top of my head, but it's frightening the number of apps that get, that get opened once and, and never reopened again. I think it's something like 70% or something. That first, um, that first impression, I guess, is, is key. And I think that's what a lot of providers don't understand, particularly with their onboarding journeys. And like, I mean, I talk to clients all the time and they all, they're all interested in onboarding. But you can achieve that, you know, what we've talked about, I think, without taking that sort of jobs to be done approach, right? So understanding not like what functionalities do we sort of need to cram in here, but actually understanding 
you know, prioritizing what are the key things that customers are trying to get done yeah. and, and streamlining those journeys and I, I think making them as easy as possible. I think an interesting point there as well is that the same people that are developing, doing the analysis and the engineering around the apps or the journeys are also clients. Yeah. And I find that fascinating with the challenge sometimes. So um, it's certainly what we found uh, with Mihao and some of the, the first projects that we've started. Actually, with regards to maybe sometimes what, what we think might, you know, might work, actually with a little bit of adjustment of both dovetailing uh, a client perspective and a, a, a technology you know, experience, I think is, is, really, is really powerful. Because it's one of these th things, uh, I'm not sure you guys uh, come across, but from a finance point of view, you know, I come from a world not so long ago, whereas, you know, the only way you could get a job actually in finance is from having a job in finance. Yeah. Well, it, it just, it used to frustrate the, the hell out to me because yeah. it was, it was just, it was the same people sharing, sharing the same jobs and they were just moving around. Whereas, you know, what we've done here in HL, HL Tech in Warsaw, what we continue to do in Bristol is bring different people with, different oh, industry experience. Yeah. So key. And why has it taken this long? And taking this long. So, you know, Chris's point is, you know, it's, I find it, you know, fascinating, but taking the you know, uh, technologists to a, a clients and taking um, feedback from, from clients uh, and mixing those two, I think is a, I think it's a powerful combination really. And I think me, how some of the, some of the guys uh, here within, uh, within the squads in Warsaw, I think that's what they've, that's what they've seen. They've really, you know, been able to uh, challenge back with some of the thoughts that we've got. So they feel they work here and they take this uh, job seriously. They think uh, HR tech or HR, if you prefer, depending uh, which uh, side of the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they take this as own company, so they truly believe what they do. Uh, and they're not purely software engineers or IT analysts. They really know what the company does and... Uh, what is the benefit for the company, where the earning comes from, who is the customer, uh, what they expect. So each step, even making software here in Warsaw, there are people who almost never come to Bristol, uh, but they know uh, this piece of software is for what. Yeah, so they can predict, they can think that if I do this, it might be danger, it may bring some risk to the business, or if I add this, so some extra mile, uh, it will be a benefit to the customer, which nobody predicted because I'm the customer. I'm doing it right now. If I would be there, hmm, it might it might make sense. So that's the thing. Yeah, that that's the, that's the bit that I love, and I think you only get that by, I guess, uniting people behind a sort of grander vision, right? And that that's not just about working in finance, like we said, because I've always been in finance. You you lose interest pretty quickly like that. But when you frame it in the context of you know, I guess, like the customer experience and I guess how that plays into the success of the business. That's when you really get a workforce that's sort of, I guess, laser focused, like driving in this in the, in yeah, the same direction. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what, it, what I'm really curious about is building that ethos. Like you said, Mihao, you just talked about getting across the sea, right? And um, you've got a massively growing group of people here, which is fantastic and HQ in Bristol, but creating that connectivity on that shared closeness to the customer. How do you do that here? And how have you instilled that into the culture of what you guys are building? Well, there, there are a few things. Um, no, first, uh, we take care about it. So starting from the process of hiring people, we say clearly uh, in advance, who are we and what we expect from our employees in terms of this. Yeah? So you must be involved. Otherwise, it's not place for you. Of course, uh, we say it in a very polite way, but context is clearly set to the candidates. Yeah. 
Uh, the other thing is that we teach them how the business works. So each single employee goes to Bristol during the first month of the work for a week. And uh, if we take five days, first three days, so Monday to Wednesday, we don't touch IT almost. So we say how the business works. You have to understand it. And then uh, Thursday, we say some uh, a little knowledge about how, how, what's in IT, what's behind. Uh, so we create this culture and uh, we look right people. We look for right people. So this combination gives us confidence that uh, we will follow this path. I love that as well. I guess it shows that the... Um those sort of throwbacks or that sort of firm routing in the UK and in Bristol goes far beyond just the, the telephone booths and the bull orchards. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we even, uh, we even had a Christmas party, uh, which has many stories, including, I think, 20 guys getting stuck in a lift at one point. Uh, there was, there was literally 20, I think it, I think, you know, when these lifts. Did the say, lift break because there was 20 <laughs> people in there? Some people see a challenge where it says don't press the red button, yeah. right? So I think it's. I'm one of those people. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this lift will take 20 people. Well, yeah. they tested it. So that gives you some of the, some of the mindset with regards to some of the software engineering mindsets that these guys, uh, that these guys have got. So, but no, you know, we, I think we flew, uh, 50. Uh, people over to Bristol. We did a, you know, we did a full day and actually, so it was me, it was myself, Chris and Chris. Uh, we, um, you know, we all spoke. We brought some guest speakers in. Um, we ended it at the Christmas party, vodka, beer, getting stuck in a lift, etc. So it goes, it does, it goes. All those standard Christmas um, party yeah, elements. It's, uh, you know, living the dream, right? So, uh, so yeah, it's, it goes much further, but it's about the, the passion for the business that, that no one knew the team have got. But, you know, as, uh, as Chris says that, with regards to the, the, the colleagues, but they that link to the clients, and it all—it really does feel like for me. It, although we're in two separate locations, you know, we're still in its infancy, but it just feels—it feels like one company, uh, and it, it has done. And I'm really keen to make sure that we continue that. Yeah, one of the things you told me about yesterday, Dave, was the day one beer. You know, and I thought that was pretty cool. And regardless of what location you're in, whether it's Bristol or whether it's Warsaw, that happens. Yeah. And where you get a senior person taking out the newbies yeah. for a pint on their first day just to say, hey, welcome. Um, thank you for joining us. Yeah, we, so, so... I think with that in mind, it's technically our first day, Pete, right? It is. We're having the bit, just you Yeah, well, that's true, that's true, that's true. We're well covered, actually, on that front. First round, first round's on you. But you're, you're exactly right, Pete, because um, we, we did a bit of a soundbite, I think it was a, a couple of weeks ago, uh, with the guys here in, in Poland, and you're exactly right. So one of the, one of the key things that they called out that they enjoyed is what they called, uh, yeah, beer with Dave on their first day. Um, but I think it's, I think it's important. It's part of the it's part of the culture um, because I've, I think it's really I think it's really important. So um, there's a couple of us in the senior management team that make the concerted uh, effort. So all of the um, new starters they start on the same day. So we, that effort is coming across. Uh, we spend a few days here, and when it comes to five o'clock, the bell rings and you know the the, the bar calls. Um, but I think it's really important because it's I want them to see me as Dave, not CIO. Sure. And that is really driving the culture of approachability. So, you know, people will, will come and say, you know, hey, what about, what about this or what about that? And I think it's, uh, yeah, I think it's really important in the environment that we're in because we're, we're driving a, you know, yeah. a, 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 that tech is at the, the, the core of, of what we're doing around the clients. And it, I guess it goes back to what we talked about you know, in terms of sort of uniting a workforce and, and, and even down to the very, the very finer details of, you know, sort of creating a camaraderie between new starters just by having them start on the same day. I, I don't even know if that's something that people generally think of, but it's a nice touch. 
where I started from, I talk about our strategy, people. It's the first point of that strategy. And the people strategy at Hargreaves Lansdowne over the last couple of years, I mean, we brought in a learning and development team because we didn't have one before. Um, that's now engaged in a program at all levels of the organization, helping people to develop and to improve. Because that's really, you know, you spend so much time at work. That actually, that's what you want to do. You want to work in an environment that's fit for purpose with a, a team of people you enjoy working with that's helping you to, to develop. And that's you know, the, the, what we've been doing. We, we talk about working around the, the culture. Um, but that's one of the things that we've been really careful to think about how we do. We've also got a talent acquisition team. So we're thinking much rather than letting managers go out and do the hiring. Managers might know who they who they might want, but they don't get the bits of how to make a hiring process work really, really well. And then one of the things that we really uh, we believe passionately is is to have a diverse team. And you yeah. don't want a bunch of people who are exactly the same when you're trying to be creative and think about how to service the needs of a million people because there's a million people they're not the same either. Yeah. So to getting it right from a people perspective is really really important to the long-term success of the business and you know i guess just picking up on um chris the point you made about the the sort of i guess the proactive training and development it flips that old i guess vicious circle scenario where employers didn't want to invest employees because they're like oh well especially like Younger people, millennials, they'll just go after two years and, you know, we've invested in them. And, but then they don't stay because they're not getting the training and the development opportunities. And it's actually flipping that. It's turning it into a virtuous circle. Yeah, I think. And that's, you know, actually, you talk about the millennials. I mean, the, the ethos of why they come to work, what they expect in work and why they should be working for you. That is, is so different to sort of back when, certainly back when I started to work. And... One of the, one of the things that's woken us up to actually is, is back in, back in Bristol, which is how do we play more of a role in the community? Cause we're part of, we're part of the community. Yeah. And the, the, the programs we're looking at in terms of volunteering, the charitable foundation, the HL foundation that we've set up all plays to that because it all plays to having an engaged workforce. Cause for the long term success of the business, that's what you want. Yeah. We had a really, um, uh, I had a good chat with a, a colleague of mine, um, Ryan Garner, on our news show that went out earlier this week. And he, he made a really good point, which is people don't buy what you sell. They buy who you are. And I think that's, you know, the, I don't think that's ever been more true than it is today. Oh, big time, big time. And, you know, we were talking before about uh, along a similar thread that, you know, what does your brand stand for, right? What does it mean? And we talked about Richard Branson, right? And that um, if you take care of your employees, your employees will naturally take care of your customers, right? And there's um, a lot that goes into that. How does that, um, you know, really play out where you're going from the perspective of a very limited ability to interact, right, with your customers and where it, the, the majority of the time that you have spent um, engaging with your customers is really in the digital world, right? There's an interesting component of that. How do you guys connect the dots there? Well, I suppose it's an interesting point. The, the key is, the key is to make sure that every interaction that you have with a client is a great interaction for the client. Mm -hmm. So you've got to think about client experience. So this is above 
client service and product and all that stuff. It's and it's, it's the total customer experience, right? Yeah, it's the sum of all those experiential that's elements. That's the key things. That, so, you know, let me talk about it this way. So back in uh, the general election, uh, the May general election, as in it was in June, but it was about May, right? Um, <laughs> and, you know, the election went the way that it did. And it was a hung parliament, and we've been through Brexits and referendums and all sorts. So we, we have got a process for managing this. We're all down together in the war room in, in Bristol. It's about, probably it's about half past nine in the morning. So we're doing our sort of second iteration. First up, I think would be the, first up would be the marketing guys, because we've got all sorts of different scenarios that we were going to play out to clients, the emails and the contacts and what, what we put out to clients. And, you know, the, this scenario was not what we planned for. <laughs> it yeah. was, you know, it was red or black. It wasn't going to be. So they, they then said, right, so this is what we're going to do. And this is the message that we're going to put out to clients. And one of the things that they did is they targeted, using our data analytics, they targeted the clients that we thought were most likely to do something rash. And the, the message that went to them was not a selling or a marketing message. It was just be sensible. This is what's going on. This is what's happening now. The markets aren't moving at the moment. No one's bright. So, you know, don't do anything rash. This is how we think the news will evolve over the weekend. You know, want to be wary on Monday morning in terms of thinking of these, but just stay calm. And that was the tone and the mantra that we then used for the rest of the day. Next up on the box is, is Dave. And so Dave's then talking about the usage. Well, clearly, we didn't have a crash or something, so we weren't deluge. So he's saying capacity's fine. But the bit that he said next was really interesting because he said, right, so the, the peak, um, the peak usage time that we've seen at the moment is between quarter to eight and about quarter past eight. And I jumped in there and said, oh, well, there's market open. They're checking the prices. And then somebody around the table said, no, that's not right. Actually, this is that moment in the day when people have got a moment to reflect. Kids have gone to school, they've finished reading the paper, they've gone to work or they've got to work. And the next bit sort of cemented it because Dave said the interesting thing is they're logging on, they're looking at their, you know, their balances. So they're thinking, you know, the world's gone to pot, yeah. but you know what? I've got that stuff there. But then they stay on the platform and they go to the newsroom. So there you have a picture of actually this is the trust build up, which is actually the world's gone to complete shreds. But actually, I can find out and see what's going on with, on with Hargreaves Lansdowne and I trust them. And, and that's so you asking how we think about that. It's yeah. that the experience is then how we develop. And what I want us to do is to continue to invest in that client relationship because that relationship we have with our million clients that is the most valuable thing that this business has got awesome. and and you know when you when we go beyond the stuff that we want to do in terms of technology and how that enhances and bespokes the the client experience when you go beyond that so we're talking 5 years beyond the value that will come with Hargreaves Lansdowne is us investing in that client relationship it's the most valuable thing and that's why we're so client centric i get it and you just you gave us a very good story right there it was quite interesting going from this war room type setup around an election result right and then that creating a bunch of actions to communicate with your customers to keep them in the loop, can you virtualize all that? Can you virtualize that war room into notifications around your platform, right? And that where you're actually bringing people on board um, without that war room, right? Or is, is that war room always going to be necessary? Is that always going to be part of the business? I think yes, yes and no. I mean, the, the fact is all those notifications, it's all done from a digital perspective. Yeah. Yeah. But when I log on to my app, 
what I see when I learn it is exactly the same as Dave will see or Chris. But actually that the, the potential is in there as we develop actually to make that much more bespoke. Because what I'd like to see is, hey, Chris, how you doing? Here's your stuff. Here, here are the, um, the tools that you use. And here's some other things that are quite interesting at the moment. That's, and, and that's, you know, I come away from doing that and think, actually, these guys are really giving me stuff that's really relevant to me. And relevant to my day-to-day life, like yeah. applicable, practical. Yeah. Exactly. And, and I think one of the things that we sort of kind of didn't quite touch on there is another important part of the culture, which is about the fact that we do a lot of stuff internally and certainly from a marketing point of view. So we're not reliant on marketing agencies. So a lot of businesses in that scenario would probably be, on the phone, figuring out what budgets they've got, what they can send out, etc. We've got that knowledge and experience mm-hmm. there to hand. So we, we can all get in one room and, and shape quite quickly what we want to do. Um, we've got our help desks there so we can get that. What are the questions people are, are asking? What, what, do, what do we need to answer for them? What do we need to tell them? Yeah. So that, that ability to react quickly is, is, is incredibly important. Our listeners can't see this right now, but you guys have a lovely big video screen up here on the wall. And it's, is this part of the virtual war room here mm-hmm. in Warsaw so that you guys can see uh, and connect at the same time with, uh, with what's going on? Yes. Uh, so actually, it's a, a whole subject about communication between uh, two locations. So uh, besides, we understand in this brilliant video conference where the quality is amazing and you can feel that you sit next to each other. We spend a lot of time on the phones. Uh, of course, it's not unusual that people in Poland uh, speak uh, English pretty, yeah. pretty, pretty well. Uh, and uh, uh, of course, we travel uh, when needed, so we have direct flights from Warsaw to Bristol, fortunately. Uh, and uh, because uh, uh, whatever we do, we trust our employees uh, regarding the trips. We uh, trust as well that they travel when needed. Lots of same faces on that airplane, huh? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there are no some specific rules, and uh, surprisingly, it's uh, cheaper than the. The regulated environment in this uh, yeah. in this area, uh, so uh, it's not prob- not a problem. We finished, as Dave said, some uh, projects. Uh, the other one are ongoing, and uh, uh, we receive uh, some feedback from uh, internal clients, let's say, so people who use our software uh, in Bristol. And it's amazing because we started uh, um, not more than a year ago and the collaboration between everyone it, it works very good, smoothly uh, on a daily basis. So uh, I'm really proud of it that we have two nations, uh, two teams, two locations, and they're like, you know, like family or at least friends. Good. And I think that it's, it's much of the same way as we interact with clients. It's that multi-channel mix so it is using the digital video conferencing etc but i think in both places we've encouraged our teams to just get on a plane and go out there like actually quite often the the price of a return plane ticket is cheaper than a train trip to to london actually um so i think that doesn't surprise me yeah yeah um so um takes a little bit longer full right i I, i'm I'm yet to come across to poland and and actually there'll be you know a spare seat on on the plane i mean when we were coming on our like this morning um they you know they had to say at the start look guys like it's a super full flight 
you know, if you can kind of like move along quickly and get all your stuff mm. out of the way and it, it, it's super full. Yeah. And, and we're also embracing, you know, collaboration tools. Uh, so whether that be for blogs, whether it be for, from feedback from, uh, conferences. So as Chris says, yeah, that multi-channel piece is important because what, you know, we've got a really big team now, technology, you know, we've got a really big team, uh, across the two sites. Um, so not having a one size fits all and being flexible in actually what the approach is, because some people would prefer to, you know, get to their desk, have a coffee, open a, open a collaboration tool, uh, understand what was going on. Um, whereas others would prefer a call. Some prefer VC, uh, as in, you know, the uh, video conferencing. Some people prefer face to face. So, and of course, different approaches at different parts of projects, I think also need, uh, need to be able to be flexible because, you know, not all, um, not all conversations can be can be ironed out, uh, mm. you know, especially in the, the, the tech space. You, you know, you're pretty sure yeah, having, sometimes having all of those options and those solutions in place and available, you know, I mean, that's obviously key to sort of getting the two sites um, working that seamlessly. I, I think to me, how's point it probably is grounded in just trusting your staff. Yeah, and do you, do you get any stats on that in terms of the channels that people are using to communicate with you and how that maps up to their demographic? Right. We talked about the M word before. I'm getting sick of the word millennial. Right. Because I think it's more much more of a state of mind than it is actually an age group. So often it's like, oh, by the way, now a millennial is defined as this age bracket. You know, yeah. like year that this year, it changes it's all the time. One. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like pre-millennial oh, really? um, okay. or sub-millennial or yeah. something like that. Yeah. But do you guys do you look that deeply? You talked a few minutes ago about looking at the demographics or looking at the usage across different devices. Right. And what that means. Um, but in terms of. What age groups are using which devices and when? Do you go that deep? Yeah, absolutely. And I think there is that quite dangerous perception, actually, that mobile users are all young and and millennial. And yes, if you look at the average age, it does tend to be slightly younger than our clients. But we've got particularly there's big usage amongst 50, 60 year olds. And and I think we've seen I think it was a 94 year old logging in through the mobile app. Um, so it, it does go right through the through the ages. And actually, some of our heaviest users are, are amongst that, that sort of kind of 50s, 60s. I think you're seeing an awful lot more people, particularly as they retire, just kind of almost take up that use of technology a bit more as a hobby and get more engaged with their investments. The silver surface. Yes, yes, in, indeed. The so, silver surface, um, that's another good one. Um, yeah. Yeah. Guys, can we write that one down as well? <laughs> <laughs> well, we've got dual screeners and silver surfaces. <laughs> We need to copyright these, right? Yeah, yeah, just, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. You had it here first. And does that that multi-channel put a lot of pressure on your guys, Mihao, in terms of keeping up with video, with digital, with web, with iPad usage, and just keeping things moving? Uh, I would say uh, pretty firm that no, because uh, as Agile Tech here in Warsaw, uh, we are a tech company strictly, so we all you know your stuff. Aware of this, yeah, we know it, we use it. So when we bring solution on it. Uh, it's pretty easy and we fully understand it, how it's uh, being used. Our our staff here is also interested in this. It's their subject. So, mm-hmm. you know, coming to work in uh, um, Metro, they, they read about it. Who is using iPads at the moment? Uh, like we said, Silver Surfers, like my father or the other people. So, so uh, we all aware. So, uh, as we said uh, a few minutes ago, we also, as, as an NHL tech, we are able to advise uh, a little bit to the business uh, what we can do when we can move forward. Of course, it's Chris' uh, area, but, uh, you know, if we find something because of the involvement uh, in what we do, we can say, hey, there are some trends. Have you seen it? Yeah. Did, did you hear about it? So we are uh, doing 
at the end of the day, the same business. So, so we play together. Yeah, I, I guess actually picking up on that, Chris, I'm, I'm quite interested to sort of understand from a positioning perspective, I guess, how you guys have sort of positioned HL Tech as like a, you know, the, the sort of taking that tech angle and helping people sort of preserve their wealth and I guess grow it from that perspective. Mm-hmm. And, and, and also, you know, I suppose what's the role picking up on Miha's point of sort of education within that as well? Yeah. And I, and I think, again, I think through the focus of us always being thinking client first means we, we've never done tech or technology for the, for the sake of it. And, and I think mm. you, you see a sort of lot of people make that mistake. So it's still very much grounded in people's needs and, and what they, what they want, um, and that experience. But I think content plays a huge part in, in that digital experience, both mobile and, and desktop. Um, building that relationship over time, building that, that trust. Because, because again, these aren't, these aren't decisions that, that, that happen straight away. I often crave to work on a nice straightforward retail site where people come on, get their debit sure. card out and, and jobs done. But actually you look at the, you look at the stats, people, people take sort of weeks, months, sometimes years from that first initial Google of kind of, what do I need to do with my pension sort of thing through to actually making a decision. So ensuring that we are, there's almost a lot of opportunities to mess up along that way. So mm-hmm. ensuring that you're there across every channel at every point um, to answer their question, to provide them that, that content and, and move them along that journey. Do you think the sort of digital channel is going some way to sort of, I suppose, remove some of the layers of complexity and, and sort of, I guess, consequently intimidation around what has traditionally been a sort of more complex um, financial product? And I suppose democratize it a little bit. Yeah, I, th- I think there's a there's a huge opportunity then, and that's one of the things that we're we're discussing all the time. We've got ambitious plans for growth into into the future, um, and to achieve that growth, we're going to need to reach and talk to people who are less and less familiar with with investing and how we do that how we engage is is quite a challenge because i don't think i don't think people sit there and kind of go right i want to be educated about investing now or i want to sit down and and do this it's so it's creating that that sort of catalyzing on that initial sort of question or concern so it might be a a a 30 second video it might be an article um about football club shares or, or yeah. something about that something that just ties the two together that gets them thinking and, and gets the them engaged yes it's the accessibility and then obviously as they move towards kind of going right i'm going to do this now yeah. making it as easy and as simple as possible so that you you take that you take that fear away and you take that that pain away of actually transacting when they when they want to do it have you guys mapped that psychology of it where you have um, a new client where they might be contributing 100 a month or 200 a month. Um, they get comfortable with it and they start going up higher than that. And yeah, they, yeah. you know, and as their career grows and mm-hmm. so on and so forth, how, what's the thought process around seeing that signal there mm-hmm. of I've got somebody who's nearly about to go? Geez, I sound like Dracula here, right? But, <laughs> you know, I think about this from a commercial, yeah. from a business perspective, yeah. right? That you've got somebody that, that's on the verge of they have another 300 a month of disposable income in their account. Um, and now with PSD2 and other ways, there's things to plug yeah. into and APIs to find out more about that. But how do you guys kind of track that to say, um, we've got somebody who's on the verge of going into this next bracket in terms of um, a monthly investment and, and then converting that into someone who actually invests at that level? Yeah. And I think we look at paths and journeys quite a lot because we do see clients 
testing us. They do open up an account and start doing monthly savings of 50, 100 pounds, 100 pounds a month. Um, and typically people do have other savings and investments elsewhere that they've built up. So they test us, they, they try the app, they put a call into us, et cetera, to, to see what that experience is like. And then you quite often see that after sort of six, 12 months, sometimes they do start transferring over those, those other, other assets. But for us, it's, it's not about that hard, sell it's still about that building it's still about that journey of too commercial for my own good but it is yeah so i I think you know it was it was a point i was i was actually going to make before is that i think what's coming across quite clearly is that you know what you guys are doing is rooted very firmly in the customer need Mm. um and and it's about i suppose proactively it really like it's come across i think from all sides of the table it's about sort of proactively helping customers rather than putting investment to the fingertips as well because in the same sort of way you know i have a look at how you know a Friday night routine of ordering a takeaway has changed through technology. Yeah, you yeah. know, it wasn't that long ago, is that you had to rubbish around a drawer to find a takeaway that you'd visited maybe three weeks ago uh, through the power of an app. And then, you, you, what would you do? You'd sit down for fifteen minutes. You'd both look at the various options, and then you'd order the exact same thing that you've ordered every other week. Exactly. Yeah. So, but you'd have to phone up. Yeah. So it's it's that same it's that same thing. So with the use of technology, making things easier, as Chris says, but also not being complacent with the with the functionality that maybe an app or an online experience will give you, but continue that challenge of keeping the evolution. But because we've got the clients at the centre, that evolution is consistent. And it's rooted in how we've grown the business as well. So it's still around sort of thirty thirty three percent of new clients that come to us originally were recommended by a friend or family member um so it's it's an incredibly important key to our to our growth of it's not just about acquiring those those new clients it's about that relationship with existing clients and that virality that sort of word of mouth that that's something that we've seen you know really from the sort of fintech so again there's overlap there you know and and, and i guess it comes back to the service that you guys are delivering but also trust as well because that you you know from my perspective um you wouldn't recommend something that you didn't have a great experience with no of course you just wouldn't. It doesn't matter what, how nicely the prompt is positioned or, you know, how prominently. You're just not going to do it if you don't think it's good. Yeah, we had, we had Tom, Tom Blomfeld from, from Monzo on uh, a couple of months ago, and he talked about four things with regards to getting customer interest. And we talked about this a bit yesterday, Dave. First one was onboarding, making sure that's very easy. The second one, as you just mentioned, Ross, virality, right? Monzo's hot coral card, which is kind of makes your customer acquisition cost zero mm-hmm. because someone takes that out at a bar and someone else says, I want one of those. What, what is that, right? Now everyone knows what the hot Coral card is now mm-hmm. 600,000 plus customers. But the third thing is the transactions, having that view into as many transactions as possible as your customers have, because that where you know where they're spending their money, right? And the fourth one is a platform and having that platform, that network effect of the other potential partners out there um, that you could bring onto your platform so that your customers could engage with them. So the frequent flyer programs, the loyalty programs, those types of things. So I still remember this mnemonic device I created when I when I listened to Tom the first time, the OVTP, right? And that just it plays into my head. Um, there's a certain element of all of that that comes to fore the very first time you have that engagement with a customer, right? Mm-hmm. And what is that thing that you can grab onto to get rid of this fear of missing out, right? Or to actually hook into that fear of missing out. When I was in my 20s, the reason I invested was because the other people that I work with at um, an investment bank, they were doing the same thing. Right. There was no digital at that point in time. It was just, you know, you follow the crowd at lunchtime and that's what they did. Um, do you guys have 
um, in terms of, we've talked about staying close to the customer. Do you guys have those forums with clients, with customers to go out and interview and talk to them on a regular basis to say, what is it that you guys are looking for? We do lots. I mean, there are surveys that we do. Increasingly, we've been doing focus groups. You know, when I, when I talk about the, the, the relationship we have with our clients being our most valuable asset, and you from your commercial angle, you were coming. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. well, you know, from, so from my perspective, right, we've got, we have a million clients out there who are, we are interacting with all of the time. Um, and they are doing whatever they're doing online on the mobile. We've got just over 200 people on the help desk who are talking to clients every single day. We've, we've got, we've got a hundred advisors who are interacting with clients every day. And then we've got 250 people processing. Mm. Now, when they're processing, they're client-facing, right? Because they're touching the client assets all the time. And so the intel that we get from doing that is a huge value to us. And the challenge for us as a business is to take all of that intel, is to turn it around and help our clients with that knowledge. So you think about it, you know, we can see, you can see patterns of what people are doing on their account or things that they're looking at, research or things that you do. When you work this through, you've got a much better idea of what it is that they're trying to do. Mm-hmm. And imagine then if you get a ping, see you're doing this, we think you're looking at doing this, can we help you? I mean, that's a, that is a fantastic experience because it is really, really bespoke and it is focused on identifying the need of what it is that tr- people are, are trying to do. And where I think where that that takes you to think about when you think longer term is yes empower people to save and invest with confidence because that's the issue right right now society's got this big 314 billion pound pension problem people are not saving and they're not saving because they're not engaged but you know all of this is helping it to be easier and easier and easier to engage with your with your savings and investments and that's what that's what we're focused on on doing so at that stage you've got people looking around and and trying to do something when i sit there and i listen to the calls coming on the help desk and you hear people especially on the pensions help that's the questions that they're asking the rate of knowledge growth that they've got because all that information is available is significant but then always at the end of the comment they'll say so is this the right thing to do at which stage unfortunately this is my bugbear with the with the regulator but we have to say i'm sorry i can't give you advice but they want that confidence you've got to try and do everything that you can to help them to have the confidence to go on and do it that's for one group and the data that we look at i mean particularly we look at um clients who get past the age of 50 because you can see financial confidence drops. Knowledge doesn't change, confidence drops. They need more help because the reality of retirement, planning for retirement is getting closer. Is but that, is that a, a risk appetite, Chris? Is that, or is it just just confidence? It's confidence. Yeah. I mean, that, does pl- that, that can play through as risk appetite, but it's actually, you know, for the last um, 25 years, I have been investing with Hargreaves hands down, accumulating. They tell me the, the best funds to go for, you know, active management is outperforming. Great. Here we go. This is, this is what I got. Actually, in five years time, pension freedoms kick in. Now, what did I read about pensions freedom? What, what can I do? And how does that impact? And oh, now I need to know how much income my assets are going to. All these questions. So guess what? You look at the interactions and you see this spike of interaction when you get past 50 because the confidence has come back. So that's, that's one area that we look at. Another area, um, we're just rolling out at the minute, a really, really simple fund. It's a simple fund with really, really low fees. 
and it's as cl- it would, it's as close as to hit the red button and get invested. Yeah. Big, the reason being, it's not meant for megabucks investments. Actually, what we want people to do is just put a bit in. Yeah. Put a bit in and start understanding that this investment game actually can be quite straightforward to do. And as you start to understand actually how investments grow and the yield and the, you know, you're into investing. And then actually we can help people all the way through. You, you can do it from, we then got out sort of robo-type tool, Portfolio Plus. You can go all the way through to full-on advice or anything, anything in between. But it's, think about the need. And people want something that's really, really simple. I talked to yeah. people today. And you, so I had my hair cut the weekend. You might have noticed. Thank you. Um, <laughs> but the guy, actually, the guy cutting my hair, and, I was, and he's, um, I made a, a point, and, and he's, he talks about saving. I said, oh, what are you saving for? Saving to buy a house. I said, do you mind if normally I like to sit there quietly, but he wanted to talk. So I thought, well, and, and he started talking about, well, I, you know, I've got one of those. Um, well, I'm saving with Nationwide at the moment. Da, da, da. I'm thinking about one of those help to buys. And then we started to talk about, well, have you thought about you know, investment and what that sort of return might give you and what a lifetime ISA is and all these. I didn't heard of any of these things. And then I said, and do you know you can do that just from £25 a month? I mean, and the look on his face at that stage. I mean, at least he didn't have the clippers yeah. out. <laughs> I get, yeah. Could have been a very different haircut. But, 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 but this goes back to what I talked about, about the, the, the sort of, element rightly or wrongly a perception of complexity or intimidation right yeah and, and yes democratization that's that's the when you said yeah. that word you think well that's that's right it's it's bringing it to the the people like the hairdressers and and those kinds of guys who typically like i guess wouldn't have this industry is absolutely right for it look you know in technology i think it's it's really common for people to move about yeah so you know i meet people quite regularly um where they don't know what their pension's worth so yeah. the investments are the fingertips. You can use that. But it's, it's what we said about you get a, an overview once a year, a paper overview, like post it to your house if you still deliver that address. Whereas clients are Hargreaves Lansdowne, you know, putting, that, putting the client first and giving the clients the, the power through an app or through, uh, through a traditional website. But more and more, as Chris has already said, it, the app is becoming more popular but to manage your pension. So it's not just to buy a stock or a share, uh, you know, a fund, um, any type of investment on the tube. It's actually about managing pension. I think that's really powerful. But it always comes back to confidence because people, I think as we touched on, aren't in there to make mega bucks, but their biggest fear is getting it wrong. So the best way to avoid getting it wrong is to not do anything at all. But as, as we will see in, in those society challenges, there are consequences to not doing anything at all. And, and sure. yeah. Speaking of confidence, I should point out to our listeners that Pete Townsend just opened a bottle of beer under the table in the most quiet, <laughs> low-key fashion I've ever seen without wanting to interfere with the mic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I've, I've had some training at that, Ross. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know. The, the, the couple that you tried to open at the, uh, at the beginning. Yeah, no, Mihao did a far better job than me with that. A far better job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll replay that at some stage. <laughs> so, guys, I guess what, what sort of, I mean, you know, we're here, we're in the offices in Warsaw. They look incredible. I guess, like, what, so what are the next steps from here? What's next for HL Tech or HL in general? It's what these guys are working on. We've yeah. had the first release come through. That gives us confidence and, and frankly, excitement in terms of actually, yeah, we are going to be able to do some really different stuff. Um, and 
when you've got a capability like that and, and, and it's working so this is the key thing is it's not something that's working over, just working over here but it's interacting so well with what we've got back at Bristol you've got the whole you've got the whole business to yeah. go look at and one of the one of the things we want to get the guys working on to begin with is actually it's all in our back office. You know, if, if it took you guys into the building in Bristol, took you to the first floor, you would say, bloody hell, there is so much paper. We can do HL Takeover 2 in Bristol. <laughs> well, yeah, come down. You can come down to Bristol and see it. But, um, but um, so much paper and actually use technology to take out the manual intensity that's there. But what that actually enables us to do is from a client perspective, it's a way better experience because, you know, transfers from one provider to another, uh, the process is awful. And it's probably one of the biggest, it's one of the biggest areas of complaints that we get from clients, amount of time that it takes. And a lot of it is because it's Mm paper-based. And sometimes I get clients who'll who'll come through to me and say, this this transfer is taking just just forever. And actually, when you explain to them what's going on, you say, well, we've got, we have got your form and it's gone off to other provider, I won't name them, but other provider. And, you know, they're going to take three weeks to turn it around. Actually, the clients at that stage will you know, now you've told me that I feel a, I feel a lot better because I know that you've got it because I was worried that it sort of disappeared into the ether. So if you you know you bring in digital imaging, you bring in workflow, client logs on, sees there's the form, sees the notes of where it happens to be. Well, it's improving our the way that we work, but actually it's enhancing the client experience at the same time. So this isn't just about the things that clients will see. It's also about the other stuff that's going on that actually we'd like clients to see how we're busting up all the time to try and make these things happen for them. But that disconnect is there and you can make that go away with a smart use of technology. It's just that transparency, isn't it? In, in sort of managing their expectations through those sort of processes. Yeah. And that makes such a difference. It's like you said, you know, when they get to the point where they are actually phoning up, they're already a little bit cross and they're saying, well, you know, why hasn't this happened? What is it? And once you explain it to them, people tend to be perfectly reasonable. Yeah. Just it's it's that fear that, oh, you have lost it or what's going on? Why is it taking yeah. so long? Because they're so used to those standards of service elsewhere. Absolutely. That's, that's the challenge. Yeah. But obviously, to your other point on next step, so we're not standing on ceremony now that we've got 50 people. Uh, so we've already got a, um, a commitment for another 20. So uh, me, and the team are, um, are really working hard to continue getting even more people. So there's going to be a lot more fresh debuts. There is. Maybe you'll get an invite to the, to the next one. Maybe we'll bring some. Uh, maybe you'll bring some. Yeah, just bring a bottle, a proper bottle of the next time. Um, so, um, but yeah, you know, that that's 20. Uh, another 20 on top of the 50. So um, it's pretty rapid expansion. It's rapid expansion, but you know, we, it's part of the reason why we're here. It, we, you know, we're, we're setting out uh, a strategy. We're setting out expectations, but the guys are meeting those expectations. Um, and as Chris says, you know, to to have uh, a real landmark moment in the last few weeks of getting the first, uh, the first, you know, lines of code into a production environment has been, you know, it's been fantastic. So yeah, even even more plans, uh, and to have to watch a space with the guys to then, you know, where we continue to go. So excited, I really am. It's, it's, yeah, no, it's, it's been awesome to chat and, you know, thank you for that, I guess, that little window and that little insight into what you guys are doing. And your next action, you also, what next for you is to download the uh, HL app, no doubt. Absolutely. We got the application forms just. Yeah. <laughs> this is a smooth onboarding process. <laughs>
<laughs> Lovely view as well. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly from the the Warsaw Spire. Great. Well, guys, look, that wraps up our um, our HL takeover. Thank you so much for uh, for joining us on on FinTech Insider today. So, I guess lastly, before we go, um, I'll go round one by one. But where can uh, people find out a little bit more about you, Chris Hill? We're there on the we- on the website. Yeah. If you search for Hargreaves Lansdowne, you will find us um, at the top of the rankings. Um, when uh, the app's there in the in the in the store, I think that the, the right thing to do is to come and have a look. And see how we can how we can help, because I'm absolutely confident that we can, and we can we can make it really simple for you you to do it, and you can be confident in what you're doing, because doing nothing, as as Chris talked to, actually you're exposing yourself to quite a lot of risk. Um, you don't have to be an expert; you just need a, a process that is simple and easy to use, and then you want to you want to be working with somebody who'll provide you with the service that actually does all that hard stuff for you. Love it. I'm sold. But also, I mean, you know, we're the fintech, you know, insider theme. Yeah, the Facebook uh, pages, LinkedIn pages, uh, Twitter pages, not only for Hargreaves Amsterdam, but for HL Tech. Um, We've also got hltech.com as our our domain uh, here in in Walsall. So check those out. Awesome. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you for listening. You can find us on Twitter at Fintech Insiders or at 11FS Team or find us on Facebook, YouTube and Instagram or drop us a line podcast at 11FS.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. And if you really love us, leave us a review on iTunes. We'll have more insights very soon. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye.